Well, welcome back to Streets and Eats. This week, we're going to be talking about a wonderful Southwest England road trip and its episode. Are you ready for this? 95. We're getting right up there. Yes, we are. Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds, and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure. Okay, I've got the trivia question this week, and I think I can stump you on this one. I know we've been doing a lot of research before the trip and then since the trip, but... Is it about history? It's not history. Okay. Not specifically. Because anyway. <laughs> that would be cheating. I would definitely fail, even I though never. I do love British history, don't we all? But still. I would never ask a history <laughs> trivia question because okay. I'm so bad with names and dates. Right? I would never pin that on somebody else. So here you go. This is a pretty simple question. What is Cornwall's hidden link to China? Hidden link to China? Cornwall? Mm-hmm. It's got to be fish related. That's a good guess. There's a lot of fisheries around there. That's one of their major exports. It's not their only. So it's not fish related? <laughs> no. Okay, then let, what else could it be? Well... We went to the tin mines. Does it have anything to do with tin? I And the reason I picked that is because you're into the tin mines. I, I am. So I figured your trivia question might have something to do with tin. So I'm going to go with the exporting of tin. And you'd be wrong. <laughs> but that was a good guess. I thought so. It is kind of a mining related thing. Um. Okay. Mining, Southwest England. It's not tin. It's not fish. Mining, mining, mining. And that, I was... There's actually a clue in the question. China? Mm-hmm. China? Tea? No. Did you see any tea anywhere? Well, I mean, they drink lots no, of tea. No, but they're the ones that brought tea to the world, basically. I, I don't know. What is it? I have no clue. In the late 17th century, international trade was booming, especially between England and Asia. Well, England and all over the world because they were the world power at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. The British, what is it? The British East, I don't know. East India Trading Company. The East India Trading Company was big. Anyway, one of the things that came to England from China specifically was a really lightweight, yet strong, delicate, almost see-through ceramic Really? Dishes, and it got the name of China. They started calling it China because that's where it came from. Well, it was so popular that, of course, if there is a way to make it in England without having to go all the way to Asia to get the exports and bring them back, ding, 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 you can make some serious money. Yeah. So this guy named William Cookworthy. Cookworthy? What a great name. With, for China. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was aware that if he could find that special clay. Clay that you need. Uh, it's called kaolin, I think. If he could find it in the UK, he'd be sitting on a gold mine. And guess he where found he found it. it? Well, obviously in southwestern England. Yes, in Cornwall especially. And actually, as you're driving around, you see a lot of the white cliffs 
and you see a lot of rolling hills and those rolling hills are actually like the slag heaps, the leftovers from mining and gathering the, that cowlin. But for a long time, Cornwall was like the number one exporter of cowlin in the world. Wow. So and what happened since continues then? continues to, to this oh, no. day. It does. Um, however, a larger deposit was discovered in Brazil. So now Brazil. Brazil's got the corner the, on the market. The China crown. Interesting. I, I would have never guessed that. So I'm glad I gave up when I did. Right. <laughs> China, well, China. I wasn't sure because we looked at a lot of like different, as we were traveling through Cornwall, we saw a couple of signs about top 10 facts about Cornwall. Top 10 facts about Southwest England. Is that where you so found this? I wasn't this? sure if you had seen that on one of those or not. No, I had to I had to do some digging for that trivia question. Oh. Interesting. Okay, so we flew into Gatwick. Mm-hmm. Because Gatwick's usually a, you can find some cheaper flights into Gatwick. And we found an excellent flight into Gatwick. Right, from New York City to for, Gatwick. It was, I think for the two of us, $350. Come on. Yeah, and that was with an upgrade to premium class. Even still. What was the airline? North Air. North Air. It was it was pretty basic, folks. But at the same time, you know, I'm of the mindset, even though it's it was what, a six or seven hour flight, mm-hmm. I'm of the mindset that I can withdraw anything with endure anything for that amount of time to save money so that I can spend more time eating. <laughs> <laughs> going places that might be expensive, spending a little bit more money on the actual trip itself, because that's the part I remember. I'm not going to remember the flight. Right. So who cares about that? And then, and actually, that wasn't as bad as, as it could have been. So we got a good flight into Gatwick, but it was a overnight flight. So we got there early in the morning mm-hmm. and we were going to pick up our rental car. Um, we didn't pick it up at the airport, did we? No, we did pick we it did. up at the airport. But the problem was... There wasn't much open at the time yes, because it was so early. And then we had to wait for it to open again when we dropped the car off. Because for some reason at Gatwick, the rental car, I, I guess because it's a smaller airport, um, still a good size, but they don't have 24-hour rental cars there. So you really have to watch you know, the hours of the rental car companies. Did we drop it off the day we took the flight? We did that morning. Yeah, it worked out really good. And we didn't have our outgoing flight from uh, Gatwick to Germany until near the end. So we had the car. And near we made, the end of what? Near the end of our road trip. We didn't have our flights until near the end oh, of the road trip. Oh, you mean we didn't book our flights? I'm yeah. like, well, of course we didn't have our flight till the end of the road trip. What, we're going to no, fly to Germany no, no. in between? That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. We had no idea what we were going to do to get to Germany until near the end. And... Yeah, that's we what we that. did, folks. We 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 took a uh, uh, we did this purposefully. We took a budget flight to England, with the intent that our end destination would be Germany because we were moving here. Um, but we didn't book that leg of the trip yet. We waited till we got to England to see what the flights were going to be once we were in country. Because a lot of times you're going to do better, and I think we got a good price for that flight too. Yeah. It was like what I don't remember. Oh, it was cheap. It, it was, was cheap. I don't remember ninety dollars somewhere around there for the two of us. Each. Oh, each. So yeah. so total from New York to Germany, it was about... 500? Less than 600? Less than $600. And we got a full, huge, wonderful road trip in um, the in UK the of out of it. So it was really nice. Yeah. And we knew in England, 
you're going to get be able to get a cheap flight somewhere out of one of the airports around London to Germany. Yeah, they have great discount airlines. Yeah. And we had checked with the rental car company and if, as long as we turned it into a London airport, it'd be okay. There wouldn't be any extra charges. So we were like, yeah, okay, we'll deal with it near the end of the trip. And it worked out great. Okay, so we started. Well, let's a- talk a little bit about that rental car itself. Okay. Because it's really a good idea to think carefully about what you're going to be doing in a rental car whenever you're picking up a rental car for a road trip in a place you've never really been before. Actually, this was the place where they were really trying, wasn't it? The, the, oh, no, that was Ireland. But they were really trying to sell us the extra insurance. Uh, not only, so, yeah. Well, that's a different story, but. But that's something you have to take into consideration really when do. you're renting a car is, I mean, really look at the Facebook groups and stuff to see what people have said about renting cars in that country, because there are so many places. And I was thinking it was Gatwick, but it wasn't. They they were actually pretty easy. But in Ireland, when we went there, they were like, oh, no, you need the extra insurance and a little scratch. And, and everybody we talked to, they had talked into the extra insurance when we didn't take it because we knew it was covered in our credit card. So just be aware that that's a hard sales pitch in Ireland, oh, no matter who you go with. Not only that, but they demanded to put a 5,000 euro deposit on our card. That's right. Unless we got the insurance. Which I think is why people usually are swayed. Which we said, okay, put it on there because we have good insurance that's going to cover our rental car. And we know we're good drivers and we've traveled in many different countries and we weren't too worried about it. So you really have to think about that. Insurance isn't a bad option if they're not like charging you out the nose for it. Um, Especially driving around places like Ireland and England because the roads are so small. You're driving right up against the hedgerows so many so many times if you don't know what a hedgerow is if you haven't been to england or ireland or new zealand new zealand has some good hedgerows um what they are are what we call in the united states hedges except they're not like hedges at all we i think we tried to adopt their idea of hedges which basically is a bush borderline between Mm -hmm. either the road and your property or your property and someone else's property but they have taken it to a whole new level in these countries of the Commonwealth where the hedgerows can be no kidding, 20 feet tall and like four feet wide, five feet wide. And you can't, they are thick. They are everywhere. And they're usually lining these tiny, narrow one lane roads right up against the right against the road with no shoulder. And so a lot of times what you have to do is, if there's a place to put, you have to really pay attention to what's ahead of yes. you so that hopefully you can see something coming. What's ahead and what you've already passed. But if you don't, then a lot of times someone will inevitably back up to the nearest pullout in order to let one person buy. And and let, let me tell you, they're very used to doing this. They're very courteous. Yeah, it It's never been a problem for us. But it can get a little bit frightening at it's times. It's intimidating. It is intimidating. For sure. Hedgerows are something to really kind of wrap your head around before you do any driving in England or any of those anywhere places. in the Commonwealth, really. Well, it's also frankly. important to remember that those hedgerows that look like fluffy little bushes or fluffy tall bushes are not fluffy. Are not <laughs> fluffy. And oftentimes the, the, the shrubbery is growing up on a stone wall inside so if you hit that thing you're you're hitting basically a wall so you can't 
you can't think of it as, oh, okay, if I have to, I can always swerve off to the side because no, you can't. Um, but like you said, all the drivers that we encountered, I mean, you're out there on this narrow road that's basically big enough for one car. It's a two-way street. Um, and oftentimes it's classified as a quote unquote highway with I think the highways the, usually have two lanes though. Yeah, but it's still considered an out of the town road. So the speed limits are set to uh somewhere around 80 kilometers per hour, 50 miles an hour. Which you never go, so don't you even can't can do. It. So as you're looking at your Google map and you're trying to figure out your driving time, you know, if you need to get somewhere, you don't want to go on a road with hedgerows. You want to go on a real, hot, real highway. On the other hand, that's where you're going to see all the quaint houses exactly. and the animals and the beauty of England. And I mean, I we're not trying to dissuade you on going those roads. We oh, just want you to know that those are unique for driving conditions. Yeah. A lot of times they're like tunnels. They're so overgrown all the way up above you and everything. It's really cool. And it's the kind of driving that I absolutely love. So like I said, unless you're in a hurry and you have to get from point A to point B, you don't really want to do that. But if you're on a road trip and you're cruising through Southwest England and you want to see beautiful scenery and farmlands and quaint villages, you're going to be on those roads and you should be. Okay. So we get to Gatwick. We're in the rental place. We're the second person in line. The first person in line, they're pretty much just waiting for their car and they're feeding their kids, you know, a box breakfast because they just gotten off the flight we got off of. But we get our car. It's this little tiny Fiat 500. Fiat 500, which was cute as can be. And we were taking it on a ferry or a few ferries and we wanted to be able to park anywhere. So it was perfect for us. But it really, I think two people is its max because yeah. between we, we're, we're not even heavy packers. Right. And we used it up. So this Fiat 500 had a hybrid engine. It got like 40 miles to the gallon. Which perfect. in England is important. Gas is expensive. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was perfect. Small car, easy to maneuver. Great for the really narrow roads, both along the hedgerows, but also in the villages and in the towns. And, and I don't parking. think... And yeah, and for parking, because you can just imagine parking is always at a premium. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I didn't think the price at all was was bad. Like it was well worth renting a car, in my opinion, because even if you took I mean, you could take a bus and you could take trains and you can do any number of public transportation sure. options. However, it doesn't quite give you the freedom that we love to have because we're road trip fanatics, as you guys know. And, um, but I thought the, I was expecting it to be more expensive. It really was not bad. It was around $45 a day. Yeah. I mean, that's cheaper than the States. Yeah, it it was, was a tiny cheaper. car though. Tiny it, car. It was cheaper than the States because we had just rented a car in the States. That was double. That was double the cost. Yep. And didn't get nearly as good a gas mileage. It was, yeah, it was a great price and it was small. You're right. And we are pretty light packers. We each had a carry on bag, like a small suitcase, right? That fits in the overhead and a pretty full backpack. Okay. So I just do it opposite. Well, I was going to say we had a backpack and then we had a little carry on bag, but I guess you basically said it wasn't a carry on bag. We, we checked it. We did check them, but you but could. a lot of people. They were the size that you could also carry on. That's true. But we also had them expanded. Um, so they may or may not have let us carry them on. Um, but we went ahead and checked them. But 
yeah, they were the size that would fit in the overhead normally. Well, and I think that's one thing, like we said, getting in and out of um, the UK is really easy from from a lot of different places, mainly continental Europe, because yeah. they have so many discount airlines. But the caveat there is you've got to be a really light packer yeah. or you just pay for a suitcase and know that you're still saving money. You're just not saving as much money. That's right. So, so yeah, a small car, but it did fit all of our luggage and it fit it all in the back concealed where nobody could see it, which is really also important for a road trip. You don't want things right. hanging out in the car when you're parking at, uh, like a trailhead somewhere where you're not going to be able to see your car. There's nobody else around. Those are really high crime areas, even in England. So you don't really want anything showing you in your car. So you well, really got to consider that. Well, and when you're road tripping, there's a lot of times, I mean, that's the whole idea of a road trip that you're stopping with mm -hmm. all your stuff in the car on way on your way to, to the next overnight destination. So you, so yeah, I mean, that's just a smart tip. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing in the world is try not to have yeah. phone cords or maps. Maps are, of course, a really good indication. Oh, look at this tourist oh, right here. Tourist. Um, and, you know, anything else out on the seats, even even jackets and things like that. I mean, those Nothing. probably aren't as big a deal, but it's just better if you use your trunk. Yes. Have a trunk. Have, have a, a hatchback or a hatchback with a cover. Uh, we've rented cars that didn't have a hatchback cover. Right. Um, and so we have like a black towel. A black sheet. A we black used a black sheet, sheet for a while. We used a black towel. It, and that works pretty good too. And that's good because when you look in, it looks like there's, there's nothing, nothing in there. there. So that's nice. You have nice. to look closely before you can see it. And I mean, thieves aren't really going to be that carefully looking at a little Fiat 500, for instance. Yeah. I mean, they're going to go There's for the better targets. <laughs> That's the other thing. I mean, I, it doesn't really matter how much money you are or what kind of travel traveler you are, but luxury is a, is a kind of one of those things that attracts maybe some attention that you don't want. For sure. So yeah. we're not luxury travelers in any, any stretcher form of the imagination we're just not it's not our style we don't and we don't want to be but if we were we would still kind of tone it down in certain areas maybe with renting a car maybe with what we're wearing maybe with how much luggage we have i mean i don't i don't know because we're not luxury travelers right because you don't want to attract attention i mean let's face it there are people all around the world who regardless of the crime in that country compared to the United States, for example, um, who are looking for a cheap buck and you don't want to be a target for that. No. Uh, so one last thing about the rental car itself, people might be interested to know. Um, it's always a question in a foreign country. Do you need an international driver's license? Yeah. And, and that's sometimes hard to figure out. Yeah, that certainly can be. Um, and in England, I mean, if you're coming from the United States, your license is already in English. So you're okay. As long as it's a valid driver's license, you don't need an international driver's license. Uh, some other things about road conditions. Yeah. Lots of hedgerows, lots of small, narrow roads along the hedgerows, but of course there's also good highway system. And, uh, one of the things that you're going to find on the highway system is easy pull in, pull out rest stops, uh, with lots of conveniences restaurants, gas stations, even hotels, at some of them hotels. Uh, so it makes it really easy for road trippers who do have to get 
from point A to point B on the highway. Um, and we did stop it a couple of those just because we like to check them out. Yeah. We like to see what the differences are in different countries. And I would say it was just like what I would expect. It was kind of like a one and all building that had mm-hmm. what like a food court food with court. like six restaurants in it. We had pizza that was quite good, actually. The, the only thing I didn't like about it is it was a little bit less maybe pristine or clean yeah. than I would normally like. That's why I like going to a real restaurant or someplace that's going to have service for sure. instead of being self-serviced a lot because there were girls who were cleaning it up and they were working hard. I'm, I'm nothing to say. Those girls were working hard. There was two of them who were cleaning the tables, but the, but the demand was just too high. Yep. They were busy. Well, this was Southwest England in August. In August, which, by the, the way, height of their tourist season, yeah, and it maybe was not be the best high. time to to travel to Southwest yeah, England. Something to keep in mind. So, some of the things on the roads, especially once you get off the highways, uh, small river ferries. Like we took the King mm. Harry ferry across the river. It does not sound nice. The King Harry ferry is a little just drive on ferry, not covered or anything. I think it held like nine cars and it was pulled across the river on chains that are permanently running along the bottom of the river. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty fun. Uh, we crossed a Ford. So we, we so came. here we are, we're just driving in the car and, and there's a sign that says, well, it, it, I didn't know it was a sign. It was about it a Ford. I've yeah. never seen it. Basically it looked like it had, just little water like here comes the water we're like that's kind of weird and then we're like oh oh my gosh it's a ford we're like fording a river we're this driving through a river part of the road it is there permanently a ford instead of building i guess it's just not enough to build enough, a and it, bridge you could easily drive through it yeah it only had maybe what three inches of water in it yeah, or something? yeah. three or four three inches. or four inches wasn't bad it just cracked us up I, i'm sorry i mean i've lived in alaska you would think when we've gone through Fords and we've in Alaska. forded some rivers, let me tell you. <laughs> but this this just cracked paved. me up. I guess I don't know. Color us surprised. It yeah. was just interesting. It was a lot of fun, and especially since, uh, well, we've watched Doc Martin. That's a really good drama comedy series uh, on BBC, I believe, about a doctor in a rural Southwest England coastal town i gotta say when you describe it it doesn't sound that good but, but it it's is pretty great. darn good guys and one of the things or one of the scenes is oftentimes he's got to go out to a farm yeah to help somebody out in the middle of nowhere and here he comes bouncing down the road and right through this ford and it was the same ford that we drove through which is super cool even though we had no idea no. that we were doing it we didn't plan it it just happened yeah it's pre- it was pretty neat and finally road conditions of course, this is very rural in most of the area. Sheep, cows, donkeys, I don't know, goats, they could all be on the road. So be aware. We try not to drive at night yeah, for that do. reason, especially in those areas. Uh, and that's a good practice. And luckily, England in the summer, you have to light. be driving pretty late to get driving in the dark. Okay, so we named this podcast uh, Road Trip for Southwest England a little bit of a misnomer to the point where we our goal on this trip was really to go to the Channel Islands mm-hmm. and then just whatever kind of we could do around there. And we end up doing kind of a road trip that took us from Gatwick all the way down 
to Portsmouth, where we end up adding the Isle of Wight. Yeah. We already did a podcast on the Isle of Wight. And then going through Dorset and a couple of other counties and then and Devon and finally getting to Cornwall, where we spent a good portion of our time. Um, and then we also did, like I said, the Channel Islands. So, I mean, we call it Southwest England because we could easily come up with the seven days that we spent in Southwest England. But in all actuality, our trip was longer than that. We include we did things like after our Southwest England trip, we went to Stonehenge mm-hmm. and we went to Diddley Squat Farm Shop, right. which if you watch um, Jeremy Clarkson's farm, which is. Another, farm. another just off the wall British show that is beyond hilarious in my book. And we also went to Blenheim Palace, which is being famous for Winston Churchill's family estate, not his parents, but his relatives. And of course, we did the Channel Islands, which we did a whole podcast on that. So we 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 did more than just the Southwest England road trip, but. There's so much information that we had to break it into parts, and we we thought this was a good chunk of time to talk about. So the focus of this one really is Cornwall, because aside from those all those other places where we did spend some time, we really focused our time in Cornwall for that part of the road trip. I mean, it was like, that's where we were. That's what we wanted to see. And you could easily spend five, six, seven days in Cornwall alone. So no problems there. Yeah, exactly. So we started out, like I said, and then really the first place that we got to that was sort of on the actual road trip part was we spent the night in St. Austell. um, And basically it was just an overnight there. And the next day we went to Charlestown, which is a really, really cute little one of Many that we came to actually cute little port towns that has this nice little harbor area has the, the the first time ever that we saw kids and adults jumping off the harbor walls right. into the water. And I'm thinking this can't be safe. Climbing up on the walls right over the sign that says no, no jumping jump. <laughs> yeah, and jumping right into the water. And, and everybody having a blast. Yeah, it was a hot day. The water had to be cool and refreshing. And of course, you're inside this 18th century walled harbor. So it's picturesque as hell. Just beautiful, tall ships on the slips along the way and outdoor cafes, ice cream places, fish and chips places. Just a really cool place to spend a couple of hours and get grab a bite to eat if you have the time and you've got your bathing suits. You could also, instead of jumping off the stone keys, you could walk down the steps into the water if you wanted to. You could. So you could go swimming. And of course, there's plenty of walks along the the seaside that were just beautiful as far as the quaintness of the town itself. It, it was just, it was a great first stop, I have to say. We did eat lunch there and we had lunch at the Charleston Fish, which was basically a little trailer like food truck food kind truck of thing. thing yeah. And we had which was amazing, a crab, fresh crab sandwich and mussels, which we just love. So we didn't have, everybody else was having fish and chips, chips, but, (laughs) but we, we had already had a lot of fish and chips at this point. So we were looking for something a little bit more 
different, even though I got to tell you, fish and chips is one of my favorite things on earth. And Should it, have had that too, I and guess. it looked like a pretty good fish and chips. Yeah, it did. It was fun. It was a good first stop, like I said. From there, we did a few different castles. And the first castle we came to was Pendennis Castle. And Pendennis Castle is an old um, 16th century fortress that was built by Henry VIII. So you can just imagine Henry VIII and his portly belly and <laughs> whichever wife he happened to have at the time. <laughs> Maybe read them all there. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a, a really well-preserved old English fortress castle. It's not like a residence castle. It is definitely there for defense. It's at the end of the it's at the end of the river mouth. So it's protecting Falmouth, the town. And across the river, there's a sister castle that's built in the same style at the same time called St. Ma's. We just went to the one because it would be very difficult to get to one of them and then drive all the way around the river and back up and then come to the other. And because they're very similar, um, Pendennis is really the better choice. There's more there. There's more going on there. They also have some uh, World War II and World War I displays set up because it has been an active defensive site um, throughout history, all the way up to World War II. And the day that we were there, this is one thing we noticed by traveling in the summertime. Um, we were basically going to a lot of the heritage sites because we had bought the heritage pass, which is an annual discount pass for heritage sites. And um, so we were basically making sure that we were getting our money's worth for that. And, and I mean, they're great things to do. And one of the things that happens is they put on these shows or they have like special, special events, everything from, in this case, they had a medieval fair. And so right in the middle of it, it was uh, Pirates and Militia. Okay. Pirates and Militia Fair. And they were shooting things and they had stories that were very entertaining. They had food. Um, but then the Heritage also had a had a truck there and they were selling, which was important because, you know, you go to Cornwall, you got to have Cornish pasties. Yeah. And we honestly hadn't seen very many Cornish pasties available. I don't know where you buy them. If you are, if you know, let us know because we didn't seem to have a lot of choices for buying them this past summer. That's true. But we did get them there and they were really good. They were good. We did see a lot of Cornish pasty, like transport trucks. On the highway. And I think that you can go to places like the gas stations and get yeah, things there that are Cornish pasties. You can go to the supermarkets and get them. But just to go out and have someone make a Cornish pasty for you, you know, who knows what they're doing? Because I don't know what I'm doing. We didn't know where to look for them. That's yeah, for sure. That's true. But we did have them there and they were good. Yeah. From there, we went down to a place called Lizard Point with the idea that it was one of the southernmost points, it's southernmost point of England's mainland. And so we thought this would be really fun to, you know, it's always good to do the superlatives. We love those superlatives for sure. But we got there. Oh my goodness. And this happened a lot on this trip, actually. I don't suggest you go in August. Go in September. Weather was great. Look at the but everything British, was crowded. Look at the British school year calendar and avoid their summer break. The last break. couple of weeks of summer. Um, it was so crowded everywhere we went. And there was more than a few times that we headed into a town, couldn't find parking, couldn't mm-hmm. get where we wanted to get, you know, and we turned around and left. And that's kind of, dep- you know, 
depressing because that just means we have to go back again. Not that we don't love it there. We do. But, you know, it's nice to get things done when you want to do them. Anyway, so Lizard Point was too crowded. We didn't really hang around. We did stop, take a few pictures and just kind of gawk at where we were. But there was nothing overly special about it other than being the southern point of England's main. Right. Which we often find at those superlative points. Other than the fact that it is the southernmost point in England, is there really another reason to be there? Uh, yeah, beautiful scenery, but there's beautiful scenery all up and down the coast. In fact, a lot of it much more stunning than there, especially since there it was crawling with people, like you said. Mm-hmm. So fun to do, but not necessarily a place you need to spend a lot of time. If you have lots of time in your camping or whatever, then I guess that would be a good place but to go. But then we came up back uh, from there to Penzance where we spent the night and um, we found another quaint, really beautiful stone houses um, along the, a, a walled in Harbor little fishing port called mouse hole. And we loved it. In fact, it kind of sticks in our mind as one of our favorite places Definitely. we went to um, because it was sort of, I mean, it wasn't nondescript in that people weren't there. People were there. It's not like it was undiscovered. It's not like it's a real hidden gem necessarily, but for us it was. Mm-hmm. And we really, really, really enjoyed it. And we had gone there looking for food because that's what we do a lot. And we end up spending, gosh, all afternoon there, I think. Mm-hmm. And we did, we did go there looking for food. So we went to four T's, the four T's and this, if you're going to go to a place that you want to see a mom and pop uh, success story, then this is the place to go. It really is. Hole in the wall. The person running the front thing. Yeah, it's a hole in the wall little restaurant. I think it only had like eight tables or something. if even. I think they put more out when they can, but outside. But yeah, eight is probably all there you're going to find there. So there might be a wait, but it's worth it. It was so worth it. And the front of the house is run by, you know, the missus and she... She was a hoot. She, we ordered, of course, we ordered cones, scones and tea. And she's like, okay, we're in Cornwall. That means you have to put the jam on first, not the butter. Jam before cream. Jam before cream. And then, um, and that was just funny. And she explains the whole thing to you. Why do you need to put jam before cream? And and she's very colorful. And Exactly. Okay. So why do you put the jam before cream? Do you remember? Because when you put the jam on. Well, first of all, if the scone is still warm, the cream would melt. So that's bad. But once you put the jam on, you can pile as much cream on top of that as you want. So you can get more cream on your scone. And I don't know about you, but I like a lot of cream on my scone. Oh, that but it was really cream. funny because, of course, Cornwall's right next to Devon. And so she's like, no, it's not going to be like that in Devon. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it was just hilarious. I love those little, you know, borderline rivalries that people have as well. And then her husband is the cook. And of course, like any cafe restaurant, they had a few specials on a little blackboard. And when I say few, they had two. Mm-hmm. They had fish pie. And I don't even remember what the second no, one no was. Either. Because we didn't order it. Um, and of course, he makes all the cakes and everything. And w- so I'm like, she. Go- I, we asked her what she would recommend. And she goes, of course, the special of the day, fish pie. My husband makes the best fish pie. And I'm not just saying that, blah, 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 blah. Well, of course, we ordered the fish pie. And I'm here to tell you, it is by far the fish pie the best fish pie we had in all of 2023. And like I said, we went to Ireland. We were all over uh, England and the UK. We had fish pie after fish pie and none of them even came close. It was that good. And yeah, 
creamy, delicious, full of fresh, fresh seafood and fluffy mashed potatoes on top, perfectly seasoned. It was, it set the bar. It set the bar for sure. I I don't know. I mean, a lot of people might hear fish pie and think, why would you eat fish pie? It doesn't sound very good, but it is. I mean, think like a really hearty, almost like a seafood chowder. Chowder, Almost like a chowder. As the base. But lots of fish, like chunky, chunky fish. Yes. Yeah. Not, it's not soup. It's definitely thicker than that. Um, but then, like I said, those fluffy mashed potatoes are the top crust. So it's not actually in a pie shell or anything like that. Super delicious. If you Whatever. get the chance, if you're definitely, if you're in Cornwall, head to Mouse Hole in the Forties for a fish pie. You won't go wrong. That's absolutely right. Well, the next place we stopped was kind of interesting because on the UNESCO World Heritage List, which as you know, for us is definitely a draw, um, you've got to examine the World Heritage Sites. And one of the World Heritage Sites were the St. Jess Mining District, um, which are a bunch of tin mines that are, of course, since been abandoned and they dot the whole countryside and the coastline. Yeah. Right up against the, at the top of the craggy cliffs overlooking the ocean and the landscape around them is really like a close cut grass. I mean, heath. it's a heath it's and heath, it's, so it's got it's... heather and it's got the beautiful purple flowers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is stunning. Yeah. No trees, nothing popping up out of the landscape except for these super tall, very like almost impossibly skinny buildings with smokestacks on top of them. Like you wonder how they don't topple over just when the wind blows. So we're following the GPS down to the main area that we're going to get out and we're going to explore and we're going to do this World Heritage Site right. We get down there and there's a vacant, completely empty parking Parking lot. lot. Um, There is a building that looks like it has an office in it, but doesn't look like they're selling tickets or anything. There's even a parking payment machine in the parking lot. It looks like they're expecting people. Right. But it is abandoned. And remember, this is August. Nothing, nothing, nothing else was abandoned in that entire no. area of the of the country. Um, so it, it stuck out very much like a sore thumb. And so we got out. We parked the car. We didn't pay for a ticket to pay for it because we're like, mm, we're pretty sure. There's nothing, quote unquote, open to go in and see or anything. And as it turns out, I don't even know how much you're supposed to really walk around there. A lot of the signs said, you know, don't go down this path, don't go down this path. But there were a few people hiking in the area. And we did take a lot of pictures and hike around for a while. But there there were a few placards. So we read the placards and things like that. But as a World Heritage Destination... Other than the beauty of it, right. it was a little disappointing. Although, if you'd seen the show about the Poldark. tin mines called Poldark, right? Poldark. Poldark. I mean, that's where it was filmed. Some of it was filmed. You could, I mean, I yes. was like, oh, that's the scene right there. Some of it was filmed in Charleston Harbor, too, by the way. I, I believe it. It's a just a beautiful area. So that was that was really yeah. nice. And there are other mines that they've turned into museums uh, where you can go and you can do like a whole tourist experience. But we really just wanted to get out in the countryside and walk around the ruins. And so that was really good for that. Yeah, it was beautiful. We loved it, even though I, 
I, I would say I was a little disappointed that there wasn't more of a a UNESCO kind of Yeah. It was more just a like a hiking area. Yeah. With ruins dotted around it. Yeah. For sure. Uh so from there we just kind of hugged the coast and headed north. Uh, small, minor back roads as close to the coastline as we could whenever possible. Because it's such a beautiful coastline. So gorgeous. Um, in fact, there was another, there was a pullout that was like right on the side of the road, parking area. Again, where I think a lot of people go hiking from, but right there was part of an old tin mine structure, yeah, if you remember. Yeah. And that one actually was crowded. Yeah, We had a hard time finding a parking there. space. So that was cool. And then, so we kept on going up uh, to Port Isaac. Which, which we went to specifically because it's so famous from the Doc Martin um, show. But it's it's also the reason Doc Martin shot there. And it was right. Is because it's probably one of the most iconically beautiful tiny fishing, fishing villages in the entire country. Old stone houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you walk from the parking lot and it's quite a hike. It's what, it a is, kilometer, yeah. two kilometers? It's not that long. Along a cliff. So you're looking out over the water the whole time, which is pretty and it's pretty. so beautiful. The town itself is beautiful, very small. And of course, if you've watched the show, you can see like the the general store the and the schoolhouse and all that kind of stuff, which for us as fans, that was important. But it was also just fun to walk around. It was packed. We didn't even, we our intent was to go there and have lunch as well. But um, we ended up not doing that because... I, I'm, I'm not Well, in, here you go. Well, there was no place to sit, for one thing. As we was were walking in. into the into the village after walking along the the seaside trail. One of the first things you come to is a fish and chip shop. And it's just a, basically a takeout. I don't even know there was tables inside, but the line is out the door. And so you're, then you're thinking, where are all these people eating their fish and chips? And as you look down the road, going into the village, there is like a little stone wall along someone's property. And it is just lined with people sitting with their fish and chips in their lap. And that's where they were eating. Which, I mean, if they, it was fine. They seemed to be enjoying it. But we, we were like, nah, this is a little too crowded for us. So we basically did our walk through town and took a lot of pictures. And we enjoyed it. But we didn't stay as long as we probably no. had planned to stay. If it had been less crowded, we probably would have sat in a pub, had a pub meal. Exactly. Had a beer looking out over the water. Would have been really nice. Instead, we went down the street to a place called the Farm Stop. Because, okay, so that's another maybe hint if you don't know much about um, traveling in England or the UK, is one of the most popular things to do is eat at a farm, farm stop, farm shop, farm yeah, right. outlet. Or I don't know what you call stores. them. Garden stores. They all have little cafes in them. And this one, was in a beautiful spot not far from um, Port Isaac. It was called the Farm Stop. It it was basically on the inside. It was it was like a big barn. Yeah, and they had a great menu. Like it was difficult to pick what you were going to eat. Really I mean, was. so fresh, so delicious. Everything looked everything good. from either their farm or neighboring farms. And they just had these big long like picnic tables inside and outside. It was raining that day. So we didn't go outside or at that point, but it even wasn't inside, raining when we were in Port Isaac, but it was raining right, by the time we got there. And even, but even inside one of those walls was all glass. So we were looking out over the countryside, which was really beautiful. And so we had a homemade tomato soup. And then, you know, me, I love a, 
I love a plowman's lunch, you know, a charcuterie board, whatever you want to call it, with some fresh ham and some fresh cheese and some fresh bread. That's enough for me. Yeah. So we shared those. And then, of course, whenever we go to these kinds of things, too, we got to try the bakes. Yes. We got to try some of the cakes So we had. I mean, I can't even tell you how many cakes we had over the over the course <laughs> of this trip. We had so many and they were all delicious. Lemon, I think, is our favorite. Lemon drizzle is my mm. favorite for sure. Or lemon slice, I think they call Whatever it. Whatever they call it, the lemons were de- delicious. Yeah. From there, uh, continuing up the coast. And uh, for those of you who really are history buffs, when you think of Cornwall, you have to think of... History or Disney buffs. Right. (laughs) That's true. You have to think about Arthurian legends. And if you're into that thing, that sort of thing at all, you know that King Arthur was born, was conceived at Tintagel Castle in Cornwall. So you have to go there. You just have to. And there's not a whole lot there anymore. There really isn't. It is really ruins. It was beautiful to walk around and we went on the rainiest blowy windiest blusteriest day of our entire trip and we had a blast it was really great the path that you take through this whole area is it climbs up on these rocky cliffs there's you know i mean there's really not a whole lot there there's like a big bridge you look over and see uh the the view there's At one point, there's a statue of King Arthur, but basically you're out on this this path and you're just walking in with, you know, about 50, 500, 50 to 500 of your closest friends. And and it was it was just I don't know. I kind of really liked it. And I liked it even more because it didn't have a whole lot of stuff because it did have down below, way below, like. I don't know how many steps, 500 steps. It was quite a few. It was this, well, it was the summer of 200 steps. So there was at least 200 <laughs> steps. Uh, yeah. They had a little um, exhibit, little museum down there, which we went through. And but really the walking the along the cliffs. And yeah, like you said, you come out of the town. It's a pretty good walk out of the town itself down towards the coast. And then you get to this big bridge. The castle itself was built on a, a kind of a promontory that was accessed with a bridge. You could climb all the way down the cliff. And if the tide is out, you could walk across the rocks and then climb back up the cliff to where the castle was. But that was one of its you know, natural defenses. So we can, we get across the bridge, you walk around the path, and then you walk down these steps that are basically cut into the, the cliff stone, yeah. all the way down to the beach level. And then there's Merlin's cave down there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like you said, there is a small shop there. There is, of course, a cafe. There's a always a cafe tea. on these sites. Yeah. No, but nothing big. Um, but from there, you can choose to either walk back out and walk up the hill. It's probably a good maybe two kilometers. Or, it's a ways. Or pay a little extra. and Two pounds each, I think it was. Yeah, and get a ride in an old uh, Land Rover. With a colorful driver. Yeah. And don't tell we'll him. We'll tell you stories. And that... don't tell him that he's got an old Land Rover. Oh yeah, he went it's off not on that Jim. old. And actually, it wasn't. It was just well used. used. It was. What do you call that? Lived in, not lived in, but broken in. Yeah, 
broken in. Anyway, it was a fun and and it was it was so cold and it was so windy and it was so wet and it could have been miserable. But it wasn't. But it but it just wasn't. Like we had a, everybody was having a good time. It was just I don't know. It was it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. I would go back again. So like I said, we 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 stopped at castles and we stopped at all these cute little fishing towns and we, you know, we looked for farm shops. And so we ate and we ate and we ate. Um, I think that we had more scones and cakes than on any other trip we've ever taken. We had tea every day. Um, not, not, a, not like a high tea or a, a tea where, right. you know, you had to dress up, but a normal, hey. We're, we're just taking a break tea yeah. and we weren't the only ones. Everybody does it. It it's was so common. much fun. Sweet or savory. You have to decide. Or if there's two of you, one of each. Which is what we always did. Jim and I are good at, at sharing and I think that works out really good. You but get to taste more that way. Yeah. You get to taste more. Um, what else? I well, mean, a we little just... bit about where to stay. Oh, okay. Road trips in England are a lot of fun because there's so many really interesting, quaint, beautiful places to stay that aren't going to break the bank. Um, so we stayed at mostly family owned and operated small inns or pubs. We with, stayed a lot of pubs. Or pubs with rooms. Um, and even the inns had a pub. So you always had someplace to go. You've parked your car for the night. You can walk Right downstairs, twenty feet away. Have a beer. Have meet a couple some beers. Locals, have a gin and tonic. Whatever you're <laughs> well, into, some wine. Remember that one that we went into, and I was like, okay, because I wasn't really drinking much on this trip, um, and so I was like, you know what? <laughs> the the bartender was hilarious. He's like, I will make you anything you want. I'm like, okay, I'll have a a clue in milk, and he's like, what? What is that? I'm like, well, you asked me. So, I, you know, it's an American drink. What can I say? So he did have Kahlua and he had milk and he made it for me. Well, the Scottish guy. <laughs> he had to guy, ask how to make it. <laughs> yeah, he had to ask how to make it. And then, I mean, it was way too weak. I was like, maybe I need to pay for a double shot in this. But that's beside the point. So the Scottish guy is is bellying up to the bar with Jim. And he's two sheets into the wind. He's been drinking probably for three or four hours at this point. Friendly. He was not, I mean, he was just having it. And so he was like, what, what, what is that? What is that? What are you getting? What are you doing? You know, I mean, he's asking all these questions. He's telling us his life story. He had come there for a funeral. I mean, maybe that's why, that's what you do. I don't know, but he was very happy, very friendly. And so he had never heard a clue in milk before. And he's like, I'm having one of those. And I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, going to a pub in anywhere in the UK is, is a blast. And so, it's kind of nice to plan your stays, like you said, at these small places. They're usually privately owned. Some are, some are a little bit more franchised, but right. most of them are privately owned. And then they have a restaurant on site. Some are much better than others. Yeah, um, That just goes with the, with the flow. And I mean, you can eat any kind of food in England. So like we had Thai at one point. We had Indian, of course, because the Indian food in England is so good. Um, but we had lots of British food because yeah. unlike, I don't know, we love British food. And we made reservations for hotels, not like the day of, I don't think you could really get away with that in August in Southwest England, but pretty a couple cl- of days, but all, a couple of days. I mean, it wasn't like far out. 
Um, so, and we didn't, we didn't really have much of a plan. Right. Our biggest plan was that we were going to the Channel Islands. That was like the main goal. And after that, we knew we had a car. Of our trip, uh, exactly. another, what, two weeks or whatever. And we didn't plan on going to Stonehenge. We didn't plan on going to Tintagel. Right. We didn't plan on, we didn't, we really didn't plan on doing that much other than going to the Channel Islands yeah. and the rest just sort of fell in. So we we were able to still find pretty good places to stay with good restaurants. Uh, we did stay in one Airbnb once in Penzance, I think it was, which was nice because they had laundry machines. So it's oftentimes a good idea to do that sort of thing somewhere halfway through the trip where you have your own washer and dryer in your, in your house. Um, uh, it was an Airbnb, but it was like a small hotel operation type thing. Which one are you talking about? Kennisbury Grange? Um, I don't remember what it was called. Seabreeze maybe? I don't remember off the top of my head. We stayed so many places it's hard to remember. I remember Kennisbury Grange and that's probably on Airbnb too because it's got a manor house but it's also got all these little cabins yeah. and all kinds of stuff. That was a beautiful place. But that was a beautiful place and I and we ate but we didn't eat dinner there because it was pretty pricey but we did eat breakfast there and I get, think it was one of the best breakfasts yeah, on the It was for sure. On the like Chex Benedict a couple of different styles fresh squeezed orange juice. Yeah, that was a beautiful place and it wasn't no not Airbnb. It was we definitely booked that one on booking. Um but Kennisbury Grange is like an old manor house. So there's rooms in the manor house that you can get. It's also a campground. So if you have a camper type thing, you could camp. Uh, and then there were bungalows and we stayed in one of the bungalows. Which was and it was really like, nice. Woof, woof, top end. Yeah. Even though the price was really, really good. Yeah. We stayed at all kinds of different things. But of course, a road trip, one of the critical things you need when you're looking for a place to stay is parking. That's so always, always make sure you look for parking. When you're booking a place on a road trip. Anyway, we had a great time. We highly suggest that you go to Southwest England if you haven't been. It's gorgeous. I would not go in August. Yeah. Live and learn. Maybe late June or early September. Uh, maybe any other time. Like I said, check the holidays and stay away from the children's holidays because everybody, I mean, it's just a beautiful area. So everybody goes there. Better than anywhere else in England and the United Kingdom. So people flock there for the beaches, for the hiking. Uh, the outdoor activities. Yeah. So that's the time there. You really got to consider when is the best time for you to go. I would think September would be yeah. optimal. Well, like you said, I think that's a really good idea. Find out when school starts. Go that first week of school if you yeah, can. Or second week. Yeah. Because it's still going to be beautiful weather. Exactly. And the crowds will be reduced probably by 50% at least. Anyway, go to England. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Streets and Eats. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love. Hit the like button and leave us a review. Maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets and Eats, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now. <laughs>